welcome to yet another edition of the brand called you today i have someone i've known for many many years someone who's been a former colleague and a friend rajan bahadur rajan welcome to the show thank you ashutosh very happy to be here thank you rajan is the chief executive officer of the tourism and hospitality skill council and he's from st stephen's college rajan before we get into your current role tell me a little bit about uh, your early career Well, it's been an interesting uh, ride across uh, <coughs> Ashutosh. I started my career really selling matchboxes on Churchgate in Bombay wow. uh, for a company called Vimco, the Swedish match company. Mm-hmm. That's where I started selling actually six dozen matchboxes from pawn shop to pawn shop. Mm-hmm. Uh, graduated from there, uh, joined IDC, was part of the Agri Business Division, launched the Sundrop Point. Mm-hmm. Uh, great uh, learning, great challenges because. we were new into the field we did not know what oil is all about correct and actually went and mapped the city of bombay then west and then so on and so forth uh moved on from there into american express uh and started working for them first as a sales head in the flagship com uh part here in delhi then 3 years later uh internal job post moved to calcutta Uh, one of the big, biggest challenges there was to handle the union. We were under the banking license at that point of time, so we had a very strong militant union. So that was great, and uh, tremendous learning there. Moved from there to the Obroy Hotels. Uh, I've basically been sales marketing guy. Uh, what uh, met up with Mr. Obroy? I thought he had a problem with one of our cards. Actually, offered me a job. Started working for the Obroys. Created a national sales team there. uh never looked back from there went back to american express as a director uh from there moved on to uh starwood hotels mm-hmm. uh, was part of the initial team which got in starwood into south asia uh and then care for my last assignment until that was fantastic <clears throat> so let's talk about uh, the tourism and hospitality skill council what is the scope of work that you do Okay, so so the tourism and hospitality skill council came into existence about five years ago. It's a NGO. Uh, basically, it's a it it's a bridge between the the government, the industry, the industry associations, our training partners, and the youth and the students. Mm-hmm. Uh, we basically have a separate uh, governing council, uh, which has all the stalwarts from the hospitality and tourism industry. um is headed uh, on the management side by me uh, the ceo full time ceo and i'm also the secretary of the governing council okay and um, basically uh, we are a assessment organization so what we land up doing is this was promoted by cii and national uh, skilling uh, development corporation uh, it comes under the ministry of skilling and entrepreneurship So basically, what it does is that we work, we make uh, curriculums, which are government approved. These curriculums are then introduced into institutes, both private and government track. Okay. And then we have trained the trainers, okay. who actually train people to then run these curriculums. And once the youth uh, go through this diploma or this uh, curriculum, then we assess them. So we are also assessment body, and we certify them with a government of India certification. Oh, wow. in this whole process there is a whole lot of stuff of apprenticeships mm-hmm. and jobs i think one of the most biggest challenge uh, which we don't want to have on our hands is educated youth or skilled youth mm-hmm. uh, who are not employed employed 
So, so I think this whole circle of apprenticeship and then getting them into employment uh, is, is the entire circle. So, you know, you have spent most of your life in tourism, you know, with American Express, with Oberoi, Starboard, uh, Lebua and Urison. And yet the top five challenges tourism faces in India are infrastructure, human resources, insufficient promotion and marketing, taxation and security. That's right. right? That's right. Now, if you were Minister of Tourism, <laughs> what are the changes you would make to... You know, we, we keep talking of India having huge potential, but I've been hearing this for 40 years. Right, right, right. So, firstly, I wouldn't want to take the job ever. But, That's but, right. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right. India has a huge, huge potential. And it is so diverse. You know, you've got the mountains, you've got the beaches, you've got a whole lot of uh, different cultures out here. Uh, so, there is a lot of scope here. But I think if there was something uh, for me to add on to, there's a couple of things that I would definitely want to do. I would definitely want to ensure safety and security is very important. Um, And I think one of the things that India takes a beating is in terms of people's perception Mm -hmm. uh, about safety and security. And there have been genuine concerns. Mm -hmm. I think as an economy, as a country, uh, as a government, lots has been done. But I think that awareness still needs to get created hugely. Uh, that's that's number one. Number two is in terms of manpower and skilling. And, uh, you know, that's what we are actually involved with uh, Tourism Hospital True. Skill Council because there's a huge gap between employable youth and uh, skill, skilled youth. Correct. There's a huge gap. Mm-hmm. And I think skilling is something across sectors, not just tourism and travel and tourism hospitality, but across all sectors. And I think that needs to be done. The government is doing a lot, mm-hmm. but I think a lot needs to be done with the industry partners uh, taking a lead in that. Mm. Uh, the third, of course, is things like e-visa. Mm. Um, I think that has already started happening. You can see a big upward trend there. But that is something that can really open up the doors for our country. Mm. Uh, the fourth and the last one is, of course, uh, if as a minister, mm. I would also engage a lot with other ministries. Okay. For example, there are other industries who need soft skills. We are already talking to uh, the Ministry of Defense, Ministry of Civil Aviation, whether it is facility management, whether it is uh, you know monitoring schools and their soft skills and so on. So mm-hmm. I think there are a lot. Of, so if all the a lot of these ministries can start complementing each other, I think a lot can be yeah. amazing. And you know, skilling is something which is across the entire spectrum. Absolutely, Absolutely. you know. But in, in tourism, how deep should skilling be? I mean, you know, from the time, uh, or let's say the first connect mm-hmm. is with the customs officer, yeah. the yeah. immigration officer, yeah. customs, then the driver, then yeah. tourist guide. I mean, you've got a big task on your hands if you can start <laughs> skilling everybody. No, no, you're absolutely right. And that's where I see this as a great opportunity okay. and a great game changer. Because we can keep saying there's a huge gap and nothing is happening, but I think it's a glass half full, half empty, and the half empty is actually space that we can work in. Uh, I, as I mentioned to you earlier, that about 12 million people ask uh, into the employment market every year, out of which hardly three and a half million, uh, three and a half million people are skilled. So the gap is huge. Yeah. And the other thing is, of course, is the fact that you don't have 
youth sitting here in metros and large towns, you've got to have an outreach for them. You've got to reach out. One of the things that we are doing very successfully, Ashutosh, is the fact that we've got centers of excellence. We are creating, we've got one set up in Bangalore, but we are creating several more mm -hmm. across. And this will be a hub and spoke. So you have the main center of excellence in a metro, uh, and then you have outreaches into mm -hmm. areas mm -hmm. where you can not only meet up uh, these youth, get them interested, start scaling them. You know, one of the challenges in the hospitality industry is a lot of people see this as very glamorous mm. job mm. from outside. They've never entered the yeah. hotel. When you come in there and do a 16-hour shift, day in and day it's out, it's, it's tougher. Yeah, it's all handwork mm. and so on and so forth, a lot of it, at least when you're starting off. So, you know, you can, you can build skill, but inherent talent and attitude and aptitude is something which has to be there. So with this hub and spoke, you can reach out to them, get them initially into a career path hmm. and then move them into Correct. the main field. Correct. I think that will help a lot. It'll but help. but uh, I think reaching out to the youth and doing that scaling, the huge opportunity that we have in India. Fantastic. So, you know, tourism and hospitality around the world are very big employers. Hmm. Can a, a, a really robust industry help solve a lot of the unemployment problems of India with right skilling? Well, I think uh, tourism, you, you're right, tourism, hospitality industry, uh, perhaps in India itself accounts for nearly 12% of the GDP. Even now? And yes, and and all, and all growing. Mm. And it employs about 80-85 million people. Then there is a whole thing of direct. Every 30 tourists account for one core hospitality job. And about one and a half, 1.5 unrelated uh, mm. or directly, mm. not directly, but related yeah. jobs. So I think there's a huge scope for that. And uh, I think wherever we are, this is one industry where you, you can have people at the ground level who train them and there's a career graph for them. So I think to capture these people, getting them skilled, getting yeah. them into this whole module is, is something which is happening now. You can. See. I mean, all of us, when we joined the hospitality industry two decades ago, everybody, even at home, family thought, where are you going, you know? But today, you have definite people who have gone through this uh, learning curve are doing exceedingly well, not only in the country, but also overseas. So I think there's a huge scope around this. Uh, that, so one, we actually, uh, out of in uh, traveling and hospitality skill council, we look after five verticals actually. We got uh, hotels, hospitality, we got tour and travels, mm -hmm. we got quick food restaurants like okay. the Domino, the Pizza Hut and all, then cruise liners and we got facility management. So you're covering the entire spectrum. So it is, it is. Mm -hmm. And when you know, you're talking about infrastructure and growing economy, then you're talking about airports and IT parks, they all have huge facility mm -hmm. management requirements and scaling. So I think there's tremendous opportunity. They can, this can actually become a game changer. Correct. I think the government is pretty serious about it. They've created this new ministry five years ago, yeah. which is the Skilling and Entrepreneur Ministry. Mm. I think what we need is the industry yeah. per se to take part and actively do that. And that's what is happening as we talk right now. Amazing, amazing. So, you know, my next question is, you know, that as far as infrastructure is concerned, you know, in, in the tourism and hospitality sector, I believe a lot of investments are being made. How important is good infrastructure for tourism? 
Well, you know, I think uh, it's a no-brainer that you need to have a great infrastructure for tourism. In a country like ours, which is so diverse and so huge again, uh, last mile connectivity is very important. Uh, you can have fancy airports which are being done. I mean, look at the Delhi airport, which is today which compared to what it used to be 15 years ago. Or for that matter, yeah. Bangalore, the old yeah. airport was there. Yeah. And I'm sh- I said to wonder whether, you know, if we wouldn't have done what we have done to the airport and the infrastructure, where would it have been? Mm-hmm. So one, you can have airlines coming in and, you know, booking hundreds of planes and coming in. But where do those people go and how do they connect and how do they travel, whether it is uh, the road transportation, whether it is the bus, railways. The government's talking about privatization of the railways, uh, part of it at least, uh, which are all going to become a big step towards making this because India also offers a lot of destination uh, tourism. Correct. Uh, whether you have, uh, you know, uh, the the Buddhist circuit, which can be developed, or the religious circuits, or even the medical uh, tourism. Now, all of these need support for ease of travel. Mm. Coming in out here, traveling up here, being looked after here. So I think, again, a uh, huge opportunity. Uh, uh, lots has been done, but I think we need to move on it faster. Mm. Very interesting. Very interesting. And I must also share with mm. you, you know, Growing up, look at Spain, a couple of years ago when the economy was down, what really helped them uh, sort of come up is tourism. Nearly 70 million tourists into Spain every year. You compare that to India, it's about 9 million. No wonder that uh, the the Spanish uh, tourism hospitality industry contributes to about 6% of the GDP. We contribute hardly 2%. And I think in terms of uh, availability structure, India's far better. So it's just a no, no, matter of... You're, you will say, someone had, in fact told me the other day, they said that there are more hotel rooms yeah. in Bangkok yes. than all of India put together. Yeah, I mean, look at it. We are all sitting in Delhi. Look at Aerocity. Yeah. When Aerocity was coming up, people said three and a half thousand rooms, they will be sold by the hour. And look at it today, you don't get a room with the best uh, FR they're doing. So it's absolutely game changing. So, you know, while there is a lot of development happening in the, you know, large hotels, etc. The game is changing with Airbnb, with Oyo, right? And those have now become the customer contact points for living or staying for short stays. Right. How are those individuals going to get skilled? Someone who's in an Airbnb. So, exactly the point. So, we run actually uh, at our skill council, we run about 128 what we call curriculums or qualification banks. And these are into various of these five verticals which are, which are there. Now these curriculums apart from soft scale or cookery or bakery or cleaning mm-hmm. and whatever you may have, also have things like entrepreneurship. Okay. So you know, I went to Kashmir after the 370 article mm-hmm. thing uh, with, with the ministry and uh, one of the things that we, we we are looking at doing there is scaling up people who have already been working have no formal certification. Right. We are looking at uh, homestays. Mm-hmm. We are looking at people to become entrepreneurs in their own homes, letting out, you know. Mm-hmm. And things like Airbnb, things like guest houses, things like houseboats mm-hmm. in Kashmir. Uh, these are things which are, uh, which are trending. Correct. Also, I must say that, you know, the whole uh, 
hospitality scenario in India has changed. I mean, when we were young, we associated the Obroy, the Taj, the mm-hmm. ITT, large lobbies, mm-hmm. big hotels. Today, if you see every city, see Bombay, see Delhi, see Bangalore, there are cities, sub-cities within cities. Correct. City centers have moved. Correct. And then you want, what you want is where your place of work is. You want a nice, clean, efficient place to stay. And hence, smaller hotels, smaller chains, no-frill chain, homestays, where you get the local flavor, uh, where you can uh, understand the culture, Correct. have home food. Correct. I think these are disruptive in a positive way and I think they'll do very well. Fantastic. So now question for you uh, on the outbound travelers. You know, you're, you're skilling people to be able to give the best possible service right. to the millions of tourists who are coming into our country. Right. And yet, when we as Indians travel, mm. we have this reputation of being the ugly Indian traveler. Absolutely. Is there any scope of skilling our travelers? You know, I was reading a survey which was done by, I think, Expedia, which is an online uh, hotel. Mm. And they interviewed about four and a half thousand uh, hoteliers globally. Mm. And Indians came out right at the bottom in terms of being loud, being fussy, being, uh, you know, uh, I mean, they just don't be. And so one of the things that, you see, what happens is, lot of corporate, lot of multinationals have come into India and have got large chunks of people who are then traveling outside. A lot of them are first time travelers. As a travel uh, company, when I was with American Express, I've had people coming and saying, Dickie me kitna saman aega aircraft ke. You know, and I'm not making fun of it, but the fact of the matter is that it is the responsibility of the corporates to also train their own people when they're traveling. Having said that, I must say that, you know, Indians, Somewhere, uh, you see your own metro city, uh, metros out here, sparkling, sparkling, clean, clean yeah. run efficiently. The guys behave themselves, but the same person will come out and spit yeah. outside the metro station. Now, the same Indian will go and stand in a queue to get check-in into a hotel in any overseas country. But here, more than two hundred meters. Yeah. So I think it's a matter of. Uh, education, mm-hmm. ethics, mm-hmm. and also giving respect to others for what they are doing. Mm-hmm. I think dignity of labor because whether the person is sweeping the floor in a hotel outside or is checking you in, they're doing a great yeah. job. Yeah. Thank you. And, and I think uh, we as Indians, uh, we, it's not that we are not capable mm-hmm. of. I think culturally there has been some sort of learning there. I think there's been a lot of improvement. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of improvement there, but I think there's much more stuff to be done. A lot of soft skill required. <laughs> so, Rajan, one more question on tourism before I move to the next part. Um, with the thousands of people you are training, etc., how are millennials changing the entire tourism and hospitality landscape? You know, it's very interesting. Uh, one of my key learnings has been engaging with the millennials because nearly 50% of the population in this country are millennials and it will continue to be so. Uh, I think uh, these are the guys who today are willing to try, willing to experiment. They have propensity to pay. They don't want to save for a rainy day. They want to spend it. They want to look at, see the world. So they want. So I think in any industry, when you see, these are the people who are deal makers. These are the people who are trendsetters. These are the folks who are able to go out and get you your revenues. It's how you understand them. They may not be able to spend as much. Correct. 
but they are willing to spend four times in a year as opposed to once in a year. So I think these are the people who we need to be focusing on, both in terms of employment and skilling and in terms of they being a customer of utilizing. Because that's a balance that needs to be struck and catered to them. Absolutely. They're they're absolute great game changers for our economy and the world. Absolutely. So Rajan, let me move on to Care India. Just one one question for you on Care India. You know, and Care India, you work, you used to work on, Care India works on empowering marginalized women. That's right. Tell me a little more, a little bit more about this. So, so. In India particularly, I mean, CARE is a very large, one of the largest NGOs. Uh, In India, they've been there for over 65 years. Uh, And uh, you're absolutely right. They they work on a marginalized community and within that, women and girl child. And they're basically focused on four verticals, which is health, education, livelihood, and uh, emergency response uh, preparedness. Uh, and they run a lot of fantastic programs. For example, in the state of Bihar, care is there in every block today, in the maternal health. What started as a pilot project through the Bill Melinda Gates Foundation uh, funding is there all over that place and several other places. In livelihoods, you see people empowering women, empowering girl child, self-help groups. I have myself seen uh, women who were who never stepped out of the house, mm. today are going and negotiating bank rates, loans, and uh, doing stuff. Amazing. Not only that, I think a skilled or educated woman has a four to five X effect, positive mm. effect within the family and community mm. than, a, than, a, than yeah. a man. Yeah. And because they're able to influence a lot of people. Mm. I think one of the biggest so what started as a game actually we started playing was in the villages we found that women actually did a lot of work including agricultural manual stuff. Men folks were sort of taking it. So we had the little cards which are plastic uh, cards which had uh, pictures of you know sweeping the floor, mm. feeding the kids, uh, you tilting the soil and all that. And we got the husband and wife and put these cards in the middle and said, start relating to what you do actually. Mm. And we realized that the women had a whole pack and the guy had. (laughs) So the next stage was to start, get them to negotiate. Can you start sharing? And you know, that was, that helped men folk to understand and distribute work equally. That worked very well. Fantastic. Rajan, a few questions for you personally now. Hmm. You know, over the years, and you had a very, very successful career. Are there any people who've had a strong influence on you? And if yes, what have you learned from them? So there have been several people uh, who had, but I'll, I'll name, I'll, I'll mention a few incidents. And and one experience that I want to mention, which sure. really was a radical change. But people, in terms of uh, you know, initially started in Vimco matchboxes, my regional head had grown from the ground level. Mm-hmm. Uh, grown to be that in that position, a regional head for Varas as trainees was, you know, yes. the big lord. Mm-hmm. But what I really, what I really understood from him was that as long as your ground level, your brass roots are absolutely firm, you can tackle any problem, any situation. And I think that's very important. Okay. Often, uh, a lot of people don't understand ground reality or very much removed from them. So whatever level you reach, touch with the ground reality with human is very important. Uh, 
it is another amazing story uh, we lost sundrop oil uh, there 18 months it became the market leader but we had a challenge mm-hmm. i was launching it in bombay and uh, we realized that we were we were competing against home grown businesses like uh, postman oil and then multilateral multinational organizations like marico industry and uh, levers for flora i didn't want to be a me too product mm-hmm. okay because we would have got lost somewhere sure. so one thing we realized was that the entire entire business was done on uh, credit and order booking and i said we want to do just the opposite mm-hmm. but i must say when i put it up to my management including to the chairman at that point of time they supported me mm-hmm. they said well it's a good thought but mm-hmm. so we actually went with ready stocks and we went with cash on purchase what we did was we increased the frequency mm-hmm. and we actually went and gave them three bottles in or 12 bottles of 1 liter mm-hmm. and took the money so we got spell, uh, spare shelf space and he started moving our product as compared to what he was buying okay. on credit okay. and it became a market leader mm-hmm. i think one of the key learnings was that if you are very clear about what you want to do and you are able to crisply conf- uh, convey that to your management mm-hmm. i think you get a lot of support okay. rather than being all over the place i think obra is another great advantage 3 months into the organization and i was going to hotel here i told mr obra that we need to look at relook at the way we are structured and that's when the national sales team came into account we didn't have a national sales team okay. the industry didn't have it yeah big success even today every property every chain has a national sales team uh, uh, but the fact is again that unless you get support from the right people you can never take an idea to its culmination so i think these are very good learnings i have had and admired people who have stood by me and believed in me at that point of time i think very young in life one instance that really changed my mind and even when i think about it today it's sort of uh, i get those uh, pimples i was traveling through madhya pradesh uh, in vimco rural marketing used to leave early in the morning do depot by depot and then move to the next place live stay mm-hmm. the night at the circuit house and thing we were approaching a small village and crossing that at dusk time about 7 7:30 i was driving uh and uh, we were clipping it to a highway and there i saw this lady crossing the road mm-hmm. and i honked and so she hesitated and stepped back and i went kept going and then she stepped onto the road mm-hmm. and i honked and jammed the brake now this lady had come into the middle of the road and she suddenly sat in the middle of the just sat mm. in the middle of the road i have got jammed my brakes and got out of the car i was feel young blood i was about 24 25 and i started screaming and the villagers collected and i got a little scared because you know and the villagers then lifted picked her up and took her and you know what i realized i realized that this woman was blind wow and when i honked and the screeching of the brake she lost direction of her bearings mm. so she just sat there and you know that shook me up so much that we we assume things in life we assume what we are doing is great stuff but we don't see it from other point of view mm. and i think that was the biggest learning i've ever had in my life that understand from the other's point of view what they may be going through or what they are trying to imply and then adapt yourself if you want to be successful amazing what an amazing life i am just uh... so rajan i've got to end now thank you very much
it's been such an honor and such a privilege to speak to you thank you ashutosh always a pleasure and uh, delighted to be part of this thank Good you night. Thank you for listening to the Brand Called You podcast. Be sure to visit tbcy.in to join the conversation, access show notes, and discover fantastic bonus content. You can follow us on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Simply search for the Brand Called You. Thank you, and see you next week.